The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 17. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 to 26, and this can be found on page 1095 of the Church Bibles. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prof- all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to bless to you, to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're hearing how the prophets, including Moses, foresaw Jesus' day. So here is a moment when the prophet Moses spoke with Jesus face to face. It's Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Page 1040 or up on the screen behind me. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves 
and told no one at that time what they had seen. Shall we pray for Fran? Thanks. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing on Fran now. Fill him with your spirit to speak your word, that he may speak for you and of you in truthfulness and in power. And use him to touch our hearts, we pray, this evening. Amen. Amen. Mike, can you stay here? Just this morning I was, um, (coughs) me, me and Claire was praying and David was praying. We just had the sense that we need to encourage you um, so as, as Mike, Mike is our leader, is our leader and um, um, yeah, leader, leader in our community. So I think it's be really a really um, good encouragement for Mike if we um, if we stood up, stood around him and prayed for him, just as encouragement for for more blessings on you, and just okay. to encourage you and you and your family. So come on, guys. stand behind here tonight, I'm going to be bold and step down, step, step amongst you, go for it. So this evening we're looking at Acts 3, um, but I really, normally I spend like, I take Friday off and I spend time when I'm, when I'm going to be speaking, I, I, I just spend time reading and reading the Bible and just praying, um, but I couldn't do that on Friday, I spent most of my morning here at church. And then Saturday was just busy with family stuff. So it's really important to prepare. And I have prepared, but it's been a bit, bit awkward today. But I have to, had time to, repair, to prepare. Um, so I'm just going to speak. These are two really powerful verses. But I'm just going to speak on verse 19 in Acts 3. So incredibly powerful. And I feel that God has really laid this on my heart today. There was a story of a, um, of a young girl and her mum. And this girl, I don't know if any of you got young children, but our, our children are a bit older now. But this weekend we looked after a little, a little boy, Charlie Cater, six years old. So many questions. We took him down the beach and uh, we had a firework display and there wasn't no health and safety. You know, we were, okay, we'll light the fire, light the fuse and we'll run. And it was all exciting, but it wasn't very safe. And it was a box of fireworks just left there. And, you know, oh, what about, it's okay, Charlie, but what about this? And then we got home. We had homemade pizza. And um, we watched a film. We watched the 18. And then throughout the 18, so many questions. Why this? Why that? So many, so many questions. Charlie, it's because of this. It's because of that. Question after question after question. And this girl and her mum, this girl was exactly the same. She asked lots of questions. Mum, is God everywhere? Yes, God is everywhere. Is he in my bedroom? Yes, God is in my bedroom. Is God in my school bag? Yeah, God's in my school bag. Wow, and it went quiet. And the girl said, Mum, is God in Nanny's jam? Beautiful jam. 
she makes. What do you think? Is God in Nanny's jam, in the jam jar? Is he? God's everywhere. Is God in that jam jar? And, then, and the mum says, well, yeah, God's in the jam jar. And then she said, right, I've got him. I've got God. I've got God. And we can be a bit like that. As we try, as I try to put God into a box. And we say, is this what God looks like? Or that God's only at church on a morning or a Sunday evening? Maybe we come to church and we drive to church. And sometimes I do this, sometimes I'm guilty of this. Maybe God wants to get into the driving seat. But actually we say, God, no. We open the boot, we put him in the boot. We drive to church. We have an argument on the way to church with our family. But then we get to church, get to the car park, we open the boot up and we're all happy. We say, God, come out. Come with us to church. We're walking along. People say, good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Yeah, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's rosy. God comes with us to church. And then we're done. We go home. Put God back in the boot. And we don't see God until the following Sunday. You know, I'm guilty of that sometimes. And that's something I'm not proud of. Of putting God, not putting God in the driving seat. Keeping, keeping God in the box. You know, we can't, as Christians, we cannot box God in. We can't just keep him in the jam jar. We can't just keep him in this church. God is too big. He is too big. And none of us can really understand or fathom, fathom God. It doesn't matter how clever we are, if we've got degrees in theology, none of us can fully understand or fathom God. If you and I could fully understand and fathom God, then that would be the same as our little brains, our little minds. And therefore, we, and therefore he would not be worth believing in. You see, it's only as we come humbly to God that we can fully understand Jesus. Now, this week, my son, Louis, he's had an RE project, and um, he needs to kind of explain the, the death of Jesus. What, what did that mean? So how he's done that, he's got a big piece of paper, and he's done the four points. So it starts with a love heart to show that God loves us. And it starts with an X, showing that we all sin. And then it comes with a cross to say that Jesus died for us. This is the heaven. And the fourth one is a question mark. And it's how are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to believe that Jesus died for us and our sins are forgiven? And then in the middle, he's, he's drew a big cross. And inside that cross, he's put the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, we all know it, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Such a powerful verse. 
You see, God died for us. God was invisible. But this invisible God was made visible through Jesus. This untangible God was made tangible through Jesus. This unknowable God became knowable through Jesus, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We can know God. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? We are here because of Jesus. Last week, as Mike said, we, we learnt in, in Acts, Acts 3 that Peter and John on the way to the temple, they met a lame person, a lame man, and they prayed for him, and he was healed. Not by their power, but by the name of Jesus. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. And I've, I've asked permission to share this story with you. On Friday, I was, I was, I was here, this, here on Friday morning, and a member of our church family, he was distressed, he was upset, he was drunk. He came in, so I spent some time supporting him. And there was a, an, an, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in this north room here. And he asked me, will you support me? Will you come in with me into this meeting? And I was a bit nervous because I've never been to one of these before. What, what's it all about? So I said, yeah, of course I will. If it means you going in and you getting support because you really wanted to share his struggle. And then we sat down in this meeting and it was packed. And I'm not sure if, if the if Alcoholics Anonymous has a Christian ethos, I don't know. But there was 30 people in this room. And there was a guy chairing the meeting. And he said really boldly, I was like, yes. He said, I believe in a higher power. I was like, preach it, that is amazing, really? He said, yeah, I believe it's higher power. And I think it's God, he said, I think it's God. I was thinking, okay, you need some work here. And then... My friend had an opportunity to share, and he shared his struggles. And none of us can really understand what he's going through. But these other people, they can fully understand where he is. And then he came out with such a powerful statement. He said, this higher power that you're talking about is Jesus. Do you know, that's amazing, isn't it? This higher power you're talking about is Jesus. I don't know if anyone was Christian there, but what a bold and courageous statement to make about his saviour. And what's key in this passage, in verse 19, is the act of repentance. You see, when we repent... God forgives us. And not only does God forgive us, he wipes the slate clean. It's so encouraging. He doesn't just wipe the slate clean. He doesn't just, he doesn't just um, not only wipes the slate clean and clears our sin, but he gives us a spiritual refreshment. And I don't know anyone who doesn't want to receive a refreshment from God 
a fresh touch from Jesus. You know, I know very well that forgiveness is tough. And as a bloke, do you know what? I don't know if it's just me. I find it incredibly hard to say a little word. Sorry! Why? Why? Incredibly hard, such a short word, but so powerful to say sorry. And it comes, it comes apparent when we're on holiday, when we're, we're driving in France, and we have to go far south to get to the good surf, and you know, we're following the satinav, but sometimes the satinav goes wrong. Don't worry, Claire, I say. We're fine, I know what I'm doing. And of course I don't. We get lost. The kids start arguing. You know, Claire says, I told you, about, no, it's okay, I know where I'm going. Stop and ask for directions. What is it with men? We don't ask directions, do we? Ever. Claire always says to me, stop and, no, 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 it's fine, it's all fine. It's not all fine, we drive, we drive, we drive. And then I have to say, okay, let's stop. Claire, you need to get out, you need to speak to Monsieur, ask him the way. What is so hard about saying sorry? Why do I find it so hard to ask for help? Why do I never admit that I'm wrong? You know, repenting, it's a struggle. It's painful. You know, to give up sin in our life, it's not easy. But repent means to turn around. To turn your back on what's holding you back. And to focus on Jesus. I know to ask forgiveness is painful. We may have been hurt by the people that we love the most. Maybe we can't bring ourselves to forgive for the pain and for the hurt that they have caused us. It's a really, really difficult one. And we're just going to watch just a short video clip of just an amazing act of forgiveness.
He lives next door. Next door. How can a convicted murderer end up living door jam away from his victims and all? It's a story, not a horrible misfortune as you might expect, but a remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet Moshe here at Minnesota's Stillwater State <coughs> As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say? I believe the first thing she said was, Look, you don't know me, I don't know you. That's a scar for your white man. And I was beautiful myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive him. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself. And I'm still going towards you. I'm trying to forgive myself. powerful, isn't it? Just. You know, as a father, I don't know I could ever forgive like that lady. And she has to be a Christian, doesn't she, really? No other person could forgive anyone that. Anyone. To do such a horrible crime if they haven't got Jesus in their life. I'm still working on my forgiveness. You know, unforgiveness, like she was saying, is like cancer. It can really hold us back in our life. Maybe sin. Well, sin does. Sin takes control of our lives. It takes control of us. We can't see a way out. We can't see a breakthrough. can't seem to forgive the person who's hurt us the most. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying for a minute that we need to forget what's been said over our lives. I'm not saying that we should be a doormat. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because it's not. Being a Christ follower isn't easy. I'm sure this lady here, I'm sure it took her years to forgive her for the, for the murder of her son. Please, you know, because you forgive someone, 
It doesn't make what they've done right. It doesn't make what they've said right. I'm also saying you don't have to be a doormat. You see, when you forgive, you're not saying that person was right. You're releasing what was said over you. You probably won't forget, but you're going to get through it. It's almost like there's chains are strangling you, heavy chains. And that's what it feels like when I have unforgiveness in my heart. I know that I can't move forward unless I go back and say, I forgive you, or I'm sorry for what I've said or done to you. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is painful. But forgiveness, total forgiveness, brings freedom. Complete freedom. And there's so many examples in the Bible, Bible, aren't there? About how Jesus teaches us about forgiveness. The prodigal son, we know that story so well. He goes off, he says, Dad, can I have your money? I'll take it now. He goes off, spends it all. Then he eats pig food. And he comes back with nothing. And his dad is there with his arms open. He forgives him. And Jesus has his arms open tonight. Always. His arms are outstretched for his people. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've said. We are forgiven. And I guess the ultimate story is, is you read it in Acts, don't you? Jesus is hanging from the cross. He is bleeding to death. And he still says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. You see, Jesus died. He bled to death for every one of us. Because he loved us. And because he forgives us. I'm no expert in this. I'm no expert in forgiveness. But I know I need Jesus in my life. I know I need Jesus to help me with the sin that controls my life. With the unforgiveness that I carry in my life. And only Jesus can break the chains of unforgiveness and sin that are holding me back. Should we pray?